Hey, I just want to say this before we jump into God's word. I wanted to say this. We are here to serve you guys. So if there's anything that I can do to serve you, I, I want to serve you. Some of you I look out there and I'm like, I, I, I don't know your names quite yet. I want to know your names. So come say hi to me. I want, I want to just greet you and like you guys just greet each other right there and say hi to you and, and welcome you to the church. And if there's anything I can do to, to care for you, um, please come see me. I want to do that. I know I speak on behalf of, of our, our elders and pastors as well. As, as we're a church leadership that, that just wants to serve you. And we want to know what your needs are. And sometimes we just get up here and we just start going through the routine and we say goodbye and we don't come back till next week. And so I just felt like I just want to remind you of that, um, that I don't want to just be a, a preacher. Uh, I want to be a shepherd and I want to care for you and as best as I can. And so uh, that's my encouragement to, to you guys to, uh, if you have needs, if you need help, anything, we're here for you. And this is what we do. We're a family, and family cares for each other. And, and when, when things are great, we celebrate life together. And when things aren't so great, we, we pray for each other, and we care for each other, and we cry together. And, and uh, that's what the, the family of God does. And, and so I want you to know that that's the heartbeat of who we are. And each week, we get to re- be reminded of the sovereignty of God and the providence of God in our lives through the opening of His Word. We get challenged each week. Uh, convicted at times uh, from the Word of God, things that we need to change from our hearts, and that's because we open up the Word of God and we hear from God through, uh, through even words like Melchizedek. And now half of you are going, I don't even know who Melchizedek is. Why do we have to read about Melchizedek today? Some of you are going, I kind of know who that is, but I don't. it's just good for our hearts to be challenged and go, hey, maybe I need to go back to the Old Testament and figure out who this, this priest is. And uh, that Jesus was better than this priest. And so we do all those kinds of things, reading scripture together, opening up God's word together, because we know this, that this is what is best for your soul on Sunday morning. It is to hear from God. And so we take a lot of time to do that. Uh, so let's open up our Bibles. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to finish this section in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11 this morning. We're talking about serving in the church. So practical, hands and feet in the church, and we're being challenged by Peter on the ways that we can serve in the local church. And what I love about Peter, and we've been been studying this book now for over a year, is that it's this. He is very black and white, and he is concise. Those are two great things. Tell me what to do. Tell me why I should do it, and don't elaborate on it. Just just give me the facts and challenge me in this way to, to do this, and Peter does it all throughout the book. And he is constantly reminding us about the gospel. In fact, he starts out the the letter reminding us of the gospel. He reminds us of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ in verse 4, that we've been born again to a living hope that is through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. He tells us in verse 18 that that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ. He points us back to the cross. He points us back to the gospel. He tells us in verse 23 that you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. He tells us in chapter 2 and verse 9 that you are a chosen generation. 
a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who belong to God. That's your identity, and we need to be reminded of that because as we go into the week, we tend to think, and we get off track, and we start to think my identity is found in all these other things, found in the culture, found in the world, and we need to come back and be reminded that our identity is found in Jesus Christ. That's who you are. That's what we are. We are Christians. We are those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and everything flows out of that. He reminds us, if you look in chapter 4, he reminds us in the first uh, six verses there that you had a past of sin, that you weren't always saved, you weren't always a Christian, that you had a past. And and in verse 3 says, at the time is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality and passions and drunkenness and orgies and drinking parties and lawless idolatry. That was your past. That was the route you were on. If you didn't engage in those things, at least that's the course that you were on down this world of sinfulness. And, And Peter says that was your past, but no longer. He goes on, he says, with respect to this, They are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you, that they're surprised that you no longer act that way. Why do you no longer act that way? Because you're identified in Jesus Christ. You follow him. You live for him. That's who you are. And this former life that you once had, you no longer live it. And they're surprised. They're saying, hey, we used to do these things together. We used to run together into these parties. We used to live this way. And you're saying, not anymore. I don't belong to that world. I belong to Jesus Christ. And the gospel transforms your life. And the gospel continually, day after day after day, continues to purify your life and motivate you now to live for holiness. And we get into verse 7, and now Peter says, okay, this is how you're to live in light of the fact that Jesus is going to return. And he keeps it very, very simple. He kept it concise. I didn't. It took me four weeks. He keeps it concise in three points. He says, this is how you to live in light of the end. Number one, you're to do this. You're to love one another. And loving one another means you need to forgive one another. You need to forgive one another. Keep loving one another, verse 8, earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. You're not keeping track of sins that are against you. You're forgiving. You're loving one another. Secondly, he says this, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. How am I to live knowing that Christ is going to return? I'm going to open up my life to people. I'm going to open my heart to people. I'm going to open up my homes to people. I'm going to get to know people. I'm going to do life with people. I'm not going to live in isolation. That's not what the Christians do. We're never meant to be alone. Jesus, uh, God saw that. He created Adam. And then what did he say? It's not good for man to be alone. So he created woman. We're not meant to be alone. We're meant to show hospitality and love one another and care for one another. So we're to love one another, show hospitality to one another, and then thirdly, we're to do what? Serve one another. Serve one another. Those three things, let me tell you, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. If you could do those three things, if you were to, to spend your life, be spent for three things, loving one another, forgiving each other as an act of love, showing hospitality to one another, and serving one another, you will be an incredible blessing to those around you. Incredible blessing. This morning, we're going to look at, continue to look at what it means to serve one another, because we had five points about serving one another, and we, we went through three of them, five aspects of serving one another, and, and what that means, and I want to 
dive in and finish off this section, verses 10 all the way down to verse 11 together. But let me just kind of review the five aspects of serving one another. The first one we saw was this. You are to serve with God's gracious gift. Serve with God's gracious gift. You can see that there. As each has received a gift, verse 10, use it to serve one another. When you came to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were given the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of promise into your life. And with that, he has gifted you now in ways in which you are to serve one another. He has taken over your heart. He has transformed your heart. And he has given to you a gift, a free gift, a grace gift, a grace gift that you don't deserve, that you did not earn. It's not a gift that you said, hey, I want to be that guy. I want to be gifted in that way. And you earn that gift. No, it was given to you by the Holy Spirit as God wills for the purpose of serving in the local church. It's a special endowment of the Spirit. It literally means grace gift. It's not the result of anything that you have done. God has just given it to you. And so you cannot boast about this gift. You cannot boast about those talents. All of it was given to you by God. And it was received there, as it says, as each has received a gift, a definitive one-time act where the believer receives their spiritual gifts. We did not earn it. It was given to us. Secondly, we saw this. We serve God's people. We serve one another. I think on the outline there it says nine, but it's actually verse 10. 10a and 10b. That's, that's my fault. Verse 10, it says, each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another. This is the most important purpose of the grace gift that is given to us. It is not, listen closely, it is not for our good. It is for the good of those around you. It's not to puff up ourselves and say, hey, look how spiritual I am. Look at the endowment that God has given to me. Look how wonderful I am. I've been given these gifts. No, the, the gifts that are given to you are to be used for God's people. We are to serve one another. That's part of being in the, in the family of God. That's part of being a, a part of the local church is that you come to church and you look around and you see that everybody is contributing in a unique way towards one another. In fact, there's an expectation in that, that I'm not the only one serving here. We're all serving here. We're all doing our part. We're all grabbing the oar and starting to row. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, we talked about this, used the illustration of the body. Not everybody can be the head. Not everybody can be the arm. Not everybody can be the leg. Not everybody can be the eye or the ear. For the body to work, all parts need to be functioning uh, well so that the health of the body uh, of Christ can, can shine forth the glory of God. And, and we can't say, hey, I, I'm the arm when you're actually the foot. You can't say, well, I actually want to be the head when, you, when, you're, when you're actually a toe. Okay, we, we all need each part, and, 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 and when one limb decides it's not going to work, what happens to the rest of the body? The rest of the body has to what? Work twice as hard because the leg decided not to show up. The arm decided it wasn't going to work today. So the rest of the body had to work twice as hard 
But when each person does their job and each person uh, does their role and use the gift that God has given to them and serve one another, then the body again is healthy. We use the illustration of, of golf clubs. That really resonated with a few of you, by the way. You were like, yeah, I got it right when you said golf. I mean, it just clicked right when you said golf. I mean, that, that was it. I got it. I got it. I have another illustration for you. This one's out of nature. It's kind of, kind of fascinating here. It's this. It's the honeybee. The honeybee has one of the most highly developed social structures in the animal kingdom. Yeah, who knew, right? At the heart of the beehive, which may house as many as 80,000 bees, at the heart of it is the queen. Without her, the colony has no future. But the 80,000 don't just sit around watching their queen. Each bee has a specified duty to fulfill. The forager bees encounters the pearls of the outside world to collect the food. The guard bees protect the hive from the entrance of intruders. The undertakers are responsible for removing dead bodies from the hive. The water collectors bring in moisture to regulate humidity. The plasterers make a kind of cement to repair the hive. And the fanners station themselves at the entrance and fan the scent. This is fascinating. They fan the scent outward to signal the location of the colony to lost or disoriented bees. The scout bees keep the hive alerted to opportunities and dangers of the outside world. The variety and specialization of the worker bees seem endless. Of the 80,000 bees there are in the hive, each one has a part and each one is crucial for the survival of the queen bee. And in a like manner, each person within the church has a special part for the glory of God to be on display, for Christ to be exalted. Each person does their part with the uniqueness of the gifting that God has given to them. No one sits back and does nothing. Because we're not consumers in this church. We're contributors. Because God has given to us each a special gift. That's exactly what it says next is this. The third point is this, is we're to steward it well. We're to steward it well as God's good stewards. We see this as a stewardship. You can write this down. Spiritual gifts are not fundamentally a privilege, but a responsibility. Spiritual gifts are not fundamentally a privilege. It's a responsibility. And in that responsibility comes the privilege and the honor of serving the Lord in the way that he has gifted us to do so. Okay, that was all last week, plus the illustration of the honeybee. But that was all last week. Traded it out for the golf illustration. The body's still the best. That's straight from Scripture. But before we move on to the fourth point, Peter has some interesting things to say here. Look at verse 11. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, and whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Now, I want you to notice what Peter does that is different than what Paul has done in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans 12. What Peter does, and I find this fascinating and I find it super helpful, is that he gives to us just two categories of giftings. Just two categories of giftings. There's a speaking gift, and there are serving gifts. Now, why would he do this? 
Why would he just say, hey, there's only two broad categories, kind of two umbrella categories here, by which he wants them to understand serving? We got to remember this. During this time, remember the recipients of the letter, right? We always got to remember the context here. The context here of the recipients of this letter who have been given this letter, they're under heavy persecution by Nero. Every day they are waking up to the reality that that day they could lose their life. That on that day, their neighbor could get burned at the stake for claiming Christ. They were under this, this heavy, heavy persecution every single day. They were doing battle every day. What they needed was to be encouraged. What they needed were simple exhortations that day. And it's not that Peter doesn't understand or know what the spiritual gifts are for, for, these, for these readers and, and feels like he needs to do a full explanation of what these gifts are. His emphasis, listen, his emphasis is on doing and serving. That's the emphasis here. His emphasis is on acting. This is how you live. Because Christ is coming, this, this is what I want you to do. And, and he's explaining serving one another functionally, in function. Not concerned so much about what the specific is, the specific gift is of the believer, but rather, are you doing your part? And in giving us these two categories, one of serving and one of, one of speaking, Peter is saying this, that all gifts and all talents will find themselves in one of these two broad categories. And so he says first this, speaking gifts. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. The word here that he's talking about is logos, the words of God. He's saying to the one who is gifted in speaking, make sure that you are speaking the words of God. The one who is speaking, the preacher or the teacher, is not to promote his, his, his own thoughts. He's not to promote himself. He is a transmitter of the utterances of God. He doesn't build himself a platform to stand on and say, hey, look at me, look at all these things. I have these wonderful thoughts about this and that, and, and, and let me just talk about and ramble on about all these wonderful stories that, that I can tell you. No, he, he stands in the pulpit, he, he, he leads the Bible study, transmitting the words of God, taking the words of God here and imparting it to those who would listen. There's a difference. That person regards himself as, as someone who is speaking on behalf of God. Someone who understands that they've been entrusted with a ministry and entrusted with a gift. They're not to abuse that gift. They're not to take advantage of the, that gift. They're not to use that gift for their own, their own pleasure. But they understand the seriousness that it is when you speak on behalf of God, when you teach the word of God, there is a weight to it. There's an importance to it. There's a seriousness to it. There's, there's a reverence to it. It's not all casual. It's not all fun and games. It's not all jokes. It's the word of God. And he's to speak 
the oracles of God, ministering to others the Word of God. Now let me just say this as well. When he says it, it says this, whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. This does not mean new prophecies. This does not mean whoever speaks, speaks brand new prophecies of the oracles of God of their own interpretation. No, this means the ones that are right here before us in the word of God. He speaks the oracles of God. That's this. These are the oracles of God. These are the logos, the word of God. And he takes the word of God and he teaches it. They take the word of God and they impart it in the lives of others. They speak the words that have already been spoken. Explaining the word, holding people accountable to the word. Acts 7.28 talks about this as well. Romans 3.2 speaks of the, the same word here. And I want to say this as well as we understand these speaking gifts. It's not just for the preacher. It's not just for the preacher. This is for those who teach Bible studies, those who teach small groups, those who do biblical counseling. That is speaking the words of God into somebody else's lives. That is teaching people how to use the word of God to transform their lives. This is for the evangelist who is literally teaching the gospel to unsaved people. This is the gospel. That is a speaking gift that God is using to, to teach the gospel to an unbeliever. This could be any time where, where men and women are together and they're discussing the truth and, and someone takes the lead and say, hey, let's open up the word of God. Let's understand what it means. Those are speaking gifts and they're saying, I want to use this gift that God has given to me in the context uh, that I can. And some are saying, I don't ever want to stand in front of people. It, maybe it is that your teaching gift needs to be used in children's ministry. Teaching children the love of Jesus Christ. Different contexts by which, that's why it says, whoever speaks. It doesn't say preacher, when you speak. It says, whoever has this unique gift of teaching the truth, make sure that when they do speak, what is it? What is the emphasis here? They're speaking the oracles of God. It's not about themselves. It's about teaching the truth. It's not a TED Talk. It's not a talk about a cultural hot button. It's the Word of God. And speaking with the seriousness of purpose, as if they're speaking the very words of God. So that's one category, speaking gift. Here's the second category, the serving gift. Serving gift, look what it says, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So these now are the serving gifts. And some of you are going, whew, okay, good. I don't want to be the, that other person. I want to be in this category. This is a big category. This is a very, very, very broad category and encompasses most people, if not everyone. These are, these serving gifts are helping gifts or, or, or encouraging gifts. The ministry of help, mercy, kindness, 
This could be played out in so many ways, and we'll probably kind of talk about a few of these. It's preparing the room, preparing the house, setting the table. It's getting things organized, getting things clean, administrating things. Uh, this also in this, in this category of serving is, is where you'd find the, the joy and gift of giving. You're not necessarily the one who likes to speak. You're not necessarily the one uh, who is necessarily there to serve, but you're saying, hey, I'll fund the ministry. They see that as a serving gift. It's interesting as this church was planted on the fact that people came together and said, hey, Joe, I believe in what you're doing. I believe in how things are going. I believe in the, the elders, and we want to give to, to make sure this ministry is going. They didn't have anything to do with serving in it. They had nothing to do uh, with speaking in it, but they played a big part in the body of Christ to make sure that Redemption Hill Bible Church was able to proclaim the oracles of God. It could be this, as we start uh, unpacking what this serving gift is, it could be as, as simple as this, writing an encouraging note to someone. I, I don't see that on the list of, of spiritual gifts. Are you sure that's a spiritual gift? Well, that, that falls under gifts of encouragement, gifts of mercy, organizing an event, serving in music, helping in technology or website, offering expertise or, or wisdom or discernment over a certain area, offering leadership, the gift of hospitality, the gift of faith. You know, the gift of faith can be a huge encouragement to people as they look at you and they say, wow, how do you have such faith? I want to have that faith. That's, that's a gift within the church. That's, that's a way to use a gift and it, uh, that serves somebody else. I actually had somebody come up to me last week and say, hey, hey, remember when I, when, I, when I worked on your car? You worked on my car a couple of years ago. Remember when I worked on your car? Is that a spiritual gift? And I said, yes, it was. It helped me a lot. I mean, I don't see it in the list, but you know what? It falls underneath the gift of what? The gift of helps. I'm helping you. I'm now taking the talent that you're not good at, Joe. I'm taking the talent, and I'm going to help you. I think sometimes, church, here's what I think about spiritual gifts. I actually think about a lot of things, as you can tell, but here's one more thing. We complicate it way too much. Like, we just are like reading the gifts, and we're like, ah, I don't know if I, if I'm any of those things. There's 18, and I, I, don't, I don't know where I fall into one of those things, and so it kind of paralyzes us. We're just kind of stuck in this until somebody affirms this specific thing in my life. I can't do anything. And Peter's saying, no, you got it backwards. Just start serving. Just start doing. And it's going to fall into one of these two categories. You're going to find yourself enjoying the body of Christ because you're acting and serving one another. And so Peter doesn't want you frustrated. And I don't want you frustrated when it comes to spiritual gifts. I want you to see the simplicity of it. The simplicity is this. Just go serve. F find something and, and go serve. And after you try it a couple times, you don't like it. You're like, I don't know if that's really for me. Okay, then you go find another one. You go and serve. You find another one. And as you grow and mature and you, you start to figure it out, and you start to go, okay, th this is what I'm good at. And I want you to notice this, too. If you look back, Peter's super helpful here. If you look back in verse 10, this is why we don't skip over any words when we understand these things. 
If you look back, it says this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of what? God's varied grace. Meaning this, there are hundreds, if not thousands, if there are not millions of different ways people are gifted. It's like a snowflake or a fingerprint. Each believer has been gifted in different ways and in unique ways, up to a multicolored variety, all different colors. Each believer is different with this multicolored gift, multifaceted gift that you've been given. And we really don't need to be frustrated about this. We just need to figure out what we like to do. What do we enjoy to do? Each one falls into one of these two gifts, speaking gifts, serving gifts. And sometimes you serve until you find out what your gift is. So you ask yourself this question then. Am I fundamentally a speaker of words or a doer of deeds? Fundamentally, am I a speaker of words or am I a doer of deeds? Now, some of you are like, ah, maybe both, a little bit of both. I'm actually not sure on the speaking side. I've never had opportunity to do that. At the core of who you are, would you rather set the room up for the speaker to come in and say, hey, I'm, whew, I'm so glad I don't need to do that and let that person take it away? Or are you the one that's like, man, I really enjoy studying God's word and I want to help lead people in, in speaking these truths and understanding these truths? We start to unpack this a little bit more. What do you enjoy doing? Sometimes we feel like we're afraid that we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this whole computer algorithm about what our spiritual gift is, and you're going to be like, I really don't even like that. Like, how did that, al- can we get a new person setting up the algorithm? Because I, I don't even like that thing. What do you enjoy doing? What do you like to do? What, what do people affirm in you that you do well? People who are wiser than you, smarter than you, that are saying, hey, I noticed this in you. You do that really well. Maybe there's a way that you could do that more often. Maybe we could put you in a position to do that, do that more often because, because I've noticed that you do this very well. And for those of you who have, who have multiple gifts and in multiple ways, and God's given you that, that then responsibility in that to say, hey, I, I want to use these these multiple gifts that God has given to me. And in that way, maybe it's a greater responsibility. It's certainly unique. And what a joy that is then to to be able to say, hey, there's multiple ways that I get to contribute to the kingdom of God. Used for the kingdom of God. He gave Moses a rod. He gave David a sling. He gave Samson the jawbone of a donkey. He gave Joshua leadership, Shamgar an ox goad, Esther the beauty of person, Deborah the talent for poetry, Solomon wisdom, Ezra teaching ability, Dorcas a needle. Whenever I say the name Dorcas, it just kind of makes me, who would name their child Dorcas? Who does that? A needle, that was her gift, a needle to serve the church. Apollos, the eloquent tongue and the ability to, all of them, the ability to use their talent or gift. And in doing so, each of them was most effective for the Lord.
And the, work, and the church works best and is healthiest when we see ourselves as participants and not spectators. Okay, now point number four. You guys have been waiting long enough. Number four is this. In all that, serve with God's strength. Serve with God's strength. That's what it says. If you speak, speak the oracles of God. If you serve, you serve what? By the strength that who supplies? God supplies. Serving takes work. Serving takes effort. Serving can wear you down. Who's going to supply you with the strength to do it? Well, God is. Why will God do it? Because you don't have enough strength within yourself to to do it. This comes from God. It comes from within. While the gifts bring us joy, we still need the strength that God supplies. And that word for supply is this. It's continuously supplying over and over again. Day after day after day, God will supply you with the strength that you need to serve the local church to use your spiritual gift. In fact, God is looking for those who think they don't have the strength to do it, who are dependent on his strength. He's not looking for the mighty. He's not looking for the noble. He's not looking for the guy and gal that's got it all put together that thinks that they could run the church. No, he's looking for the one who says, I don't have the strength, Lord. I don't know where to be used, but put me in. I want to serve. And God empowers that person to do great and marvelous and wonderful things for the church. Why? Because they come to him in humility. And God strengthens them. He's looking for the willing and he's looking for the ready. And God gives them strength every time, over and over and over again, beyond measure, bountifully, plentifully, generously. He supplies the strength that is needed to serve the church. Ephesians 6.10 says this, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Be strong in the Lord. It's not our strength, it's His strength. It's His power. It strengthens us for the task at hand as difficult as it is when we've run out of gas. Say, I can't do it anymore. People are wearing me down. We look to the strength of the Lord. And then fifth is this. We serve for the glory of God. We serve for the glory of God. This kind of prayer that Peter is writing out here, it ends with this, in order that in everything. Just go ahead and underline that. In order that in everything. In everything. Why why does he say that? Because, again, being used in the church can take on so many different different avenues. There's so many different ways to serve and to, and to be used by God, but in everything, in all of it, no matter what it is, no matter how great or, or, or how small, in all of it, who gets the glory? God gets the glory. However we're used for the kingdom of God, God gets the glory. Whether you're sweeping the front porch or leading a Bible study, who gets the glory in both of it? God gets the glory in everything. In order that in everything God may be glorified through who? Through Jesus Christ. So God gets the glory through Jesus Christ when our lives reflect who Jesus is. They see Christ within us. They see our servants' hearts. 
They see us being willing to to stoop down as Jesus did in John 13 and wash the disciples' feet. When when nothing is too low for us and we, we serve in humility and in grace, God gets the glory in all of that. I had a, uh, when we were meeting in the movie theater as a church, we'd have to get up and get there at 6.30 or 7 and set up uh, the movie theater. And uh, we'd meet for an hour, hour and 15 minutes, and we'd tear it all down and drive the trailer away, and we'd come back and do it again next week and next week and next week. And there was some long, early mornings during those days. I had an unbeliever walk up to me, and he was an unbeliever, he's he says he's an unbeliever, and I know him very well. He goes, where did you find everybody to do this? Like, how do you get people up on Sunday at 7 o'clock to set up a movie theater? I mean, literally, he was blown away that people would actually do this. He's like, where, like, where do you, where do you, how do you even ask people to do that? Like, I just said, I'm like, look, they're not doing it for themselves. They're doing it for the glory of God. They're not doing it because they get a badge of honor from the 30 people there who saw them set up. The only motivating fact that we have to continue to serve in the local church is that God gets all the glory. That it's all on Him. That everything is back to Him. You know what it is? A beautiful testimony to an unbelieving world that walks in and says, what in the world is going on in here? They love one another, they forgive one another, they show hospitality to one another, and they serve one another in great humility, and God gets all the glory. Where am I right now? You're in the presence of the Lord. That's where you are. And they marvel at that. They're so confused. Because they walk into a place where it's actually not about them. It's about Christ. And in everything... God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, because as it says there, to him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Your gifts from, for, come from God. Your gifts are used for God. And then God gets all the glory at the end. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, what a great reminder here. What a great truth that you've empowered each of us given to each of us a grace gift, not for ourselves, not to be hoarded, not to be hidden, but to be used for the church. Lord, I do believe that sometimes, and it may be even true for those sitting here today, they're just confused when it comes to the spiritual gifts, and that paralyzes many of us to say, well, I really don't know what to do. I can't have figured out my gift. I haven't, had the class, I haven't taken the class yet that tells me where I'm gifted. Lord, help us to just remove all that clutter in our minds about the spiritual gifts and get down to the simplicity of it. You just ask us to serve, to serve one another. And we just find a place to serve and and we are used for the kingdom of God. And I truly believe all those things will get sorted out and we will recognize where you have gifted us specifically and uniquely. And so help us, Lord, if, if there's those who are kind of just sitting back and not participating yet in serving, that there would be a little urging in their life to say, okay, I want to contribute in some way. 
I want to help in some way. I want to serve in some way. And in doing so, the health of the body of Christ will be so much richer and fuller. And the illustration that Paul uses of the body, or each member, each part of the body doing what it's supposed to do, working effectively, all for the glory of God. This is all for you. It's not for us. This is for you. So help us in these ways, Lord. Encourage our hearts today that even today we'd, we'd find a way to serve. And in doing so, we're becoming more and more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.